When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to the show. Julian DeStoop with you. Associate Professor Dr. Alan Pierce is regarded as Australia's preeminent concussion researcher. And I'm sure yesterday he was listening intently to the findings of the Victorian coroner, John Kane, and in particular, some of the recommendations he has provided to the AFL uh, following the death of Shane Tuck three years ago at just 38 years of age. And uh, post his death, of course, he was diagnosed with a very severe CTE. And Dr. Alan Pierce has been good enough to join us this morning. Alan, as always, thanks for your time. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure. What were some of the key takeaways you took from the findings uh, from the Victorian coroner yesterday? Oh, look, I think probably the first one was um, the fact that the acknowledgement of CTE, rather than this being just a issue around concussion, it's the exposure of repetitive head impacts over many, many years of a career. So for me, that sort of was the overall standout. So from that, um, the recommendation of, of monitoring training uh, was one of the major recommendations, which I, I thought was a good starting point. Using mouth guards rather than just for detecting a concussion, using them as a tool to monitor training loads. So if a player is getting too many hits to the head in training, the coaching and, and the staff, you know, performance staff can pull them back a little bit, start doing a little bit less just to look after their brain health. Um, and, and obviously the other one that was out there was uh, the independent doctor on match days as well. So there is uh, there was some good takeaways from it. Just with the mouth guards, how often are they being used? I mean, how many people have access to, to these mouth guards that, can, that you mentioned there? Yeah, look, they've been mostly in the research space for the last sort of oh, six to seven years, um, and they're now starting to become uh, more readily available. Um, you know, some are, are now retailing um, their mouth guards, but they're used internationally. So one of the recommendations from yesterday was almost based on similar work that's been done in the UK and rugby, where they found that when the players had less hits to the head in training, they actually performed better on match day because they weren't going into matches fatigued or battered um, from the heavy training session. So uh, I think what we'll see now is, is a much more a greater take-up of these mouth guards and also at, at, at hopefully at lower levels as well in the, in the community. Just on the, the community, I threw that question out before the break. If, if you know, if people here are listening and they're, they're involved in junior coaching, whether it's AFL or any contact sport, what, what sort of things can they be doing to, to be on the front foot in terms of preventative measures? Whether it's you know, in particular, you know, during training, you know, there's things like teaching kids how to protect themselves, probably reinforcing the rules and the, the duty of care to, to their opponents when they're playing in matches. But what else could they be doing 
at training to uh, try and avoid these type of incidents? Yeah, that's that's you know that's a good question because yesterday was all about the AFL and and what I'm hoping is that a lot of these messages will come through to junior levels and at also club level as well and what we can take away from this is to try and think about training smarter rather than just harder. Let's try and move away from the traditional hard model and and try and get to athletes and their players, junior players as well, to to learn skills, work on strategies, uh, trying to minimise as much head impact or collision in training as possible, unless it's necessary, and learning how to tumble, how to tackle in a controlled environment rather than just letting kids uh, have have a crack at it. So we we actually have a CTE prevention protocol uh, that we've published with the Concussion Legacy Foundation, and that's available if you just Google it. Speaking to Associate Professor Dr. Alan Pearce off the back of the findings from the Victorian coroner John Kane yesterday. Why, in your opinion, are independent doctors so important in the AFL? Because we know the club doctors are, you know, they're fantastic at what they do. They're, they're highly honourable people. But we did see last year in the AFL a big mistake was made with the Lear Lear in a game with Port Adelaide, and they copped a $100,000 fine for that one. Why do you think the introduction of independent doctors would be a good thing? Yeah, look, the um, club doctors are doing, a, you know, obviously doing a, a, great, a great job, amazing job, and it's a lot of uh, pressure on the, on the club doctor, and they're not there just for concussion. You know, we have to remember that they're looking after athletes with ankles or hamstrings or possible ACLs and, and bump, just general bumps and, and checking them out. And so, you know, there's a lot going on, and then all of a sudden a concussion could occur within a split second, and no one has seen it. And so... The idea of the independent doctor is to not replace or uh, you know make the make the club doctor redundant. It's it's an extra pair of eyes who's actually trained medically to understand what a sign and symptom of concussion is, um, and so. What it's doing is it's putting the player's brain health first, and that's what we want. We want to have players' brain health uh, and and their you know health and well-being generally ahead of the game. This is what you know. This is what we have to keep remembering. It's about people out there, and they've got families and and uh, you know lives of their own as well. They're not just commodities. So um, you know we know that because we know the families of people like you know Shane Tuck and Danny Frawley yeah. and Heather Anderson and the the, the, the suffering that they've gone through and many others that you don't know because they're all club players they're not elite players so you know this is why we need to put these in place it's not to undermine the game or the doctors at all are you seeing gains being made at the local level in terms of awareness uh, preventative uh, measures being put in place or have we still got a long way to go for for people at local level to understand how serious this is yeah, we do. We do have a bit to go, unfortunately. Um, you know, I talk to a lot of clubs uh, at the coal face, and they do under. You know, they, they appreciate concussion. They tell you about it, but when push comes to shove on the game day, or even, even in training, um, there seems to be a little bit of, you know, ignorance or awareness isn't quite there on what exactly they should be looking for. So, we need to, you know, increase the education not just around concussion, but around CTE as well. So, um, yeah, we do have a bit of work to, to get through there on, 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 on that aspect. One of the main recommendations that came out uh, yesterday was the fact that uh, the AFL should limit the number of contact training sessions before 2025. Would you expect the AFL will do this? They've got three months to respond uh, to, to these suggestions that were laid out yesterday. And in terms of the limit, like in terms of minutes, how much contract training should be done on a weekly basis? 
Uh, yeah, I think uh, the AFL will probably need to mandate this because otherwise, you know, they could be open, you know, legally um, if they haven't taken on such an important recommendation. Um, how that'll work, I think it will be with, you know, the mouth guards, for example. Over in the UK, they've, you know, they've actually mandated in rugby. So the English yeah. rugby union, RFU, have mandated 15-minute maximum contact training per week. Um, so they've... they've gone on the front foot and they've actually started to do that and that was based on scientific research it wasn't a you know a number out of the sky it was actually it was actually evidence-based um recently rugby league have now started to implement um the amount of contact in matches um as well so again we can quantify that through the the mouth guard so i think the afl will will do that um obviously Pre-seasons has pretty much already started this year, and I understand that you know 2025 will start to see something a bit more um, in place. Reading a story in the Age today from Michael Gleeson, who spoke to Nathan Buckley and, and Rodney E, two former AFL coaches. Now Nathan Buckley says that it shouldn't be a problem, you know, cutting back on on contact training and, and you know in season you basically you don't do much at all. But Rodney E said that uh, that you know they were worthy, but they were vague as they did not define what a contact session is. How how would you define? a contact training session in terms of Australian rules football? Well, I guess, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you, how much of the semantics we want to get in on the word, but, I mean, if you're looking at uh, bumps and tackles and uh, anything that's involving collisions, and that's the sort of uh, word for contact. Um, we, we shouldn't be getting too nuanced on, you know, what's the threshold or the level because we've gone through this with concussion, for example. There is no threshold for a concussion. Someone can be concussed with the slightest impact because of other aspects like history and, and, uh, and whatnot. But, um, you know, and others can run through walls and, and they, they appear completely fine. So, you know, what we're talking about <clears throat> is any sort of contact because what we've seen from America is that, um, you know, the more exposure to contact with, with tackles and bumps and, and whatnot in training from a young age increases the risk of CTE and it also depends on the person in their position as well. So, you know, it can range anywhere between fourfold increase to 109-fold increase risk. So, you know, we can't take chances on this and we can't play semantics. Outside of these recommendations and what the AFL has already done, and as they said in the statement yesterday, they've already made about 30 you know, rule changes uh, to try and uh, prevent concussion in their sport and head knocks. Is it anything else you would recommend to the AFL that we need to be doing? Yeah, look, the recommendations that the AFL, you know, have, have basically sort of said they're doing is is based around concussion. So it's things like uh, changing the rules for, you know, the head is sacrosanct and 12-day protocol. And, uh, and this is all concussion-based. So what, you know, as we sort of started the, at the conversation at the start was, We've got to start thinking about CTE and some of the big, mm. tough questions that we have to ask ourselves is, do we need to modify our sports for kids? You know, and that's a tough, tough question. I know that because people get really riled up. They but do, yeah. This is, this is what we're seeing. You know, CTE, think about CTE like skin cancer. We don't put kids out there in, in hours and hours of sun anymore like we used to in the 1970s and 1980s. You know, we're so... Uh, you know, 
fixated on making sure that, you know, we're covered and whatnot. Same with smoking. You know, we don't let our kids smoke. We're trying to not let our kids drink because of the long-term exposure. And it's a very similar issue here. So we need our kids to enjoy our sports, but we've just got to modify them. And other sports modify, uh, you know, to try and reduce chronic injuries like shoulders and knees. Why are we not doing this with our brains? So this is something that we've got to think about is modifying um, at, at, the, at the junior level. Just one more before I let you go, uh, Dr. Alan Pierce. Just, I mean, we talk about the, you know, the doctors and the responsibility they've got and you know, coaches at junior level, coaching staff at the professional level, but are you seeing an attitude shift amongst participants in terms of are they still hiding away how they're feeling? Are they being honest after a knock how they're feeling during the week? Or because, particularly at the professional level, they're desperate to play that there is still this um, feeling that, uh, no, I'm okay. I'm not going to let on exactly how I'm feeling. And therefore that makes it even tougher on, on the people that have got to diagnose these things. Yeah, we're, we're still, look, we are getting a change. Like I'm getting people in my lab now at club levels that I never really got before, like as in current players, you know, at, at uh, a local league who are coming in going, look, I'm a bit concerned uh, I've got to make sure I'm okay. I don't want to go back too soon, which is great. And I would never have seen that probably even as little as five years ago. So that's a good start. But we are still seeing a lot of the old attitudes of, ah, oh, it's just a head knock. I'm okay. And that's one of the reasons why I hate the term head knock because mm. it demeans, diminishes the, the seriousness of what this injury is. Um, so we still need to you know, keep educating and, and changing the culture towards this injury. And hopefully, you know, in a, in a couple of years or maybe, you know, three years' time when we're having another conversation, you know, we can be much more positive about the fact that everyone now is is uh, understanding the seriousness of, of this injury. Let's hope so. Uh, Dr. Alan Pierce, as always, thank you for your time and uh, well done with all the great work you continue to do. We look forward to chatting again soon. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.